Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back. Good Friday. It's your boy, Paul Janish and Chris Dickerson. Disabled Hall of Famer, you know what it is. <clears throat> Paul Janish, the man as deep as the ocean, lover of Chex-Mex and all things crossword, and we're back again. This is Farm to the Show. We are two months in, and we are rolling right now. Uh, and you know what? It's Friday, and I think we're going to have – we're going to go back in time today a little bit. We've been harping on who's out in front, who's struggling, who's who's thriving this year. But we're going to take a little time capsule back to the topic of the day, 2010, actually 2009, two young individuals – Young Paul Janish and a young Chris Dickerson starting at shortstop and left field against the Netherlands pre-World Baseball Classic. And there was a certain catcher by the name of Kenley Jensen. And for most of you who do not know, he was a converted catcher. And when I talk about having an absolute hose, what do you remember about that day, watching him warm up? So <clears throat> I distinctly remember – he's a big dude. Right. And you're, he's at the time young and, and, you know, baby face, so to speak. But I just remember thinking, dude, there's no way this guy's, he's too big to stay, stay behind the plate, but played with a lot of energy, had a lot of charisma, had an absolute hose piece, throwing people out from his knees, old, like Benito Santiago. Like um, it was, it, it was pretty cool to look back on, you know, those are the kind of things that in passing you, you talk about, you make jokes about, Fast forward to now, what we're going into here, 400 saves, pretty big deal, man. He's, uh, I know for me, when you get the question, hey, who's the who's the toughest guy you ever faced? Who had the best stuff you ever faced? So there's two things that, that come to mind, like with with the, the, the cutter that Kenley throws, right? When he was right, when he was just getting going, getting to the big leagues, like really establishing himself, you know, I, I had the opportunity to face him a couple of times. And I, I, the only thing I can I can think of is to describe it as a wiffle ball. Okay, it's like it, it was it was just taking a left turn, absolutely throwing fuzz, like 96 mile an hour cutter. At the time, it was it was one of the better pitches in baseball for me. But on the flip side, I don't know Kinley extremely well, but what I do know is that I, I think he's a pretty good dude. I know a bunch of those guys from the Netherlands. I had the chance to play with Gregorius. I had a chance to play with uh, Andrelton Simmons. Um, it's it, it's good to see him having so much success, but. But let's be honest, dude, 400 saves, its that's a tremendous feat. Yeah, incredible. And like you said, just uh, looking at, hey, you know, <clears throat> where it started, you know, how it how it was going, how where we're at now. And, yeah, it's it's exceptional. And I have a very vivid memory of Kenley. Uh, like you said, I mean, he was throwing the ball. Like if the, pe if the pitcher were to squat down and get out of the way, he was throwing that ball on a line in which he would still – uh, he would dodge. He would dodge it, but clear that ball was getting to second in a hurry. And uh, you know, then you look at some of his at bats, and you figure that he definitely made the uh, right decision because I can't remember a guy hitting the ball uh, further off his hands uh, than Kenley did that game. But here we are, 400 saves. And one of the things that we were going to talk about today is like when we have those milestones, what that clubhouse is like. And I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, to have an opportunity to have two of those milestones, in particular with the save milestones, uh, being involved in Moe's uh, 600th save in Seattle and Trevor Hoffman's uh, uh, 600th save in Milwaukee against, oh, wow. um, against, against the Cardinals. Uh, 
so back to back years, I got to experience uh, 600 saves, but these, you know, future Hall of Fames, and I think that'll be yet to be seen where Kenley is, but no doubt an extraordinary feat, 400 saves. And, uh, you know, for us, that kind of lead up, you always know that it's right around the corner, but the, uh, I guess the anticipation, um, but like the gifting uh, from the organization, both from players to show their appreciation for the, the feat. I think we got, we got Mar we got Moa watch um, one year, uh, Trevor, they gave us um, kind of like these limited edition shirts, but this, this amazing mural that they painted, I'm not exactly sure what that organization gave them, but it's, it was truly incredible to witness and to really crunch the numbers um to be that consistent that dominant for so long and two you know two of these pitchers that we're talking about did it with one pitch which is even more exceptional is just is just the cutter and like you said it's a wiffle ball i faced mo um years after and it's the same thing it's just it's it is the pitch that will continue to baffle people forever especially when it's you know it's 93 94 um so to see kenley get that 400 um it's it's pretty special and so if you've had have you had any milestones what are your big miles, milestones that you've been a part of so a couple for me I, I was there when griffey hit the 600th homer in in miami oh. um, at, the old, at the old stadium pretty cool experience obviously generational player 600 homers is a ton you know there's help me out i'm not 100 sure how many people have done that but it's just a handful um it, the ironic thing about that is in the old stadium in Miami, dude, there was like, I don't know, 76 people there on a free. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't, there, there wasn't uh, a ton of people there, but, but still cool that for me, that's definitely at the top of the list. I was also involved with Tim Hudson for his 200th win, which again, pretty big deal um, for a guy who pitched for a long time. Uh, I think for me, those are, those are probably the two that, that, that stick out the most, but I mean, Griffey 600 homer, dude, that's, I mean, to be in the dugout for that in the locker room, I mean, that, that's a pretty cool deal, man. Yeah, so was there a big celebration? Were there, were, do you guys have, you know, was there, was there, was there sparklers? Was there balloons? Like, take me inside the Griffey one, because that was before, that was before I got there. And now to think about it, how, why were you there? Uh, job description, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the, the, the time of year for that, but it, it was a little outrageous in the clubhouse. It wasn't crazy. You know, it was, it was the anticipation had been coming and he had actually, it had taken a minute for him to hit it. So he sit he sat on 599 for just a, for just a, a little bit. So when he, when he got it, it was kind of like one of those deep breath, oh man, like almost like glad it's over with kind of deal. Right. But, um, and you know, I mean, you knew him back in then he, he wasn't like a super, he, he wasn't going to go crazy. He was, he was, he had, he had done so much at that point. He was obviously proud of hitting 600 homers and, and excited about it, but it, he wasn't the type that was going to go, you know, taking shots in the clubhouse kind of deal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, neither is Mel. Trevor on the other hand, you know, was, was probably the, the type of guy who'd, who'd take a shot or two, but I think we, <laughs> I think we had a couple beers in the clubhouse for sure. Uh, but Mo, not so much, but I remember him coming in with the, uh, Everybody kind of waiting. Uh, we turn out all all the lights in in Seattle, and Mo had just gotten the you know the pie in the face type of deal, and so everybody's up on their chairs and it's got their phones out and it's kind of waiting in in the darkness. And as Mo turns the corner, you know the lights start flickering. Everybody starts jump jumping around, and you know <clears throat> Alex and Russell, 
you know, they mob, they mob him. Um, but it, it was cool. It was cool. Just a guy who's, who seems so stoic and so, yeah. so stoic and professional all the time, like Mo to get him, you know, dance around the clubhouse. And I think it's just one of those things where it's not just a great, it's a, it's a team moment, but it's getting over that hump of anticipation because a lot of that, you know, everybody's anticipating these numbers. It's 398, 399. All right. When's he going to do it? And I feel, feel like when you're aiming at a particular milestone for a player, like you said, maybe that gets in the back of your head a little bit when you have, when you're sitting on 599 or you're sitting on, you're, you're sitting on 599 home runs, you're sitting on 400 saves or a win. And maybe you have two or three starts that go by where you can't get it. I think it, it's, it's nice for the player to just get it over with and then, and to move on and then focus back on, on the team and, and getting down to business. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. It, it, there's, there's a lot of build up to that stuff. And, you know, it's funny talking about, Talking about Mo, obviously I didn't know him personally very well at all, but you talk about the stoicism, so to speak. It, it was so fun to watch that over the course of time. And Kinley has a little bit of that. I think he's got a little bit more emotion involved, but to the same point, he's pitched in a lot of playoff games and done a lot of stuff in, in high leverage situations. And I personally love the, you know, I'm sure he's got the juices pumping inside internally, but I love the presentation, man. He is business look, I'm out here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the ball where I want to throw it. And I'm going to bet that I'm better than you for three outs in the ninth or five outs in, to in the game, whatever the case might be. I, I love that, that presentation at the end of the game. Cause at least from a player's perspective, playing behind him, you feel like he's in, in total control. You know, there's, he's not getting sped up. And I, I think for, for that role, cause we can agree, man, the last three outs for whatever reason, they're not the same. Right. And if push comes to shove. It's, it's good to have a guy like that at the back end of the game. Yeah, hundred percent. And then, real quick, I want to go back to the unfortunate part about nobody being in Miami, and that was back when you know before the new stadium. And I'm not saying that they're they're not exactly selling the place out these these days either. Um, but it is unfortunate when you have you know an all time great where there's nobody nobody there to see it. And as I watch uh, our Hoff, or Trevor's 600 safe, like that place was packed. Hell's bells going. You know how Milwaukee gets when oh, yeah. the when the when the roof is closed. Trevor comes out. Hell's bells. There's there's nothing like that. You know, coincidentally, the only thing in the you know American League with Mo coming out to enter Sandman, it's uh it, the lead up to it. You know, it's like a whole spectacle. I really wish I could have seen it. I was in the dugout hanging out. I had been ejected in the third inning along with our first base coach. Uh, I believe I don't think it was Larry Rothschild uh, at the time. Um, I'll have to double check that. But we've had uh, Bob Davidson, you know, the all, all-time great, wasn't too shy about pulling the trigger on throwing somebody out. I remember I think I argued a pitch against Kyle Loesch, got tossed in the third, tossed uh, tossed their pitching coach, tossed our manager, and then the best part about it was is even tossed the fan, called the timeout turned around guy was heckling the umpire, which is unheard of. I've, it's the only time that it's ever happened is an umpire throwing out a fan heckling the umpire. <laughs> so that was four ejections within two and a half innings. And Trevor was still getting ready. And as I get ejected, he's walking by me about to go out and he says, Hey, don't worry. We'll, we'll have, we'll have some, we'll have some fun for you. I'm like, all right, great. I'm about to miss a piece of history. So I, I kind of went and did a little bit of a, uh, Jim or Valentine with the, with the, uh, oh, with the yeah. disguise. Yeah. And I kind of just, yeah, you know, had like, yeah, I think I had like a catcher's mask. I had my, my hoodie on just so you look like I was a backup catcher. So they wouldn't turn around and be like, Hey, you can't be out here. 
but then I switched back in my uniform, ran out on the field and celebrated. So, um, yeah, good so times. A couple of, couple Eject, of things to break down. Ejections are not couple, so much. So, hey, a couple of things to break down there. First of all, it doesn't surprise me that drama was following you. Second of all, Bob Davidson is, I mean, got to be leader in the clubhouse for ejections. It was, we need to, we need to check tape on that. Look that up between him and Angel Hernandez. They, they've got to be towards the top of, with the amount of ejections that they've, they've, they've administered throughout their career. Yeah, I, I, I put that up. So we'll, we're going to get digging. I think uh, we got our, we got our team uh, in the background listen, listening. So we're going to need you guys to start pulling those numbers uh, ASAP for Monday. <laughs> Thank you and appreciate it. Um, let's talk about another good feel good story. I think we've missed out on some of the super call ups that have been, that have, that are, you know, in the background, I think, like we said, we've been focusing on on who's doing what and who's succeeding and who's not. But there have been some good stories. We've talked about the Drew Magic thing being called up, special story. But Casey Schmidt hitting a home run in your second AB with over 40 friends and family members in attendance. Yeah. Like how like how cool is that at home, San Francisco and an absolute bomb? Yeah, he went. I mean, what, it's a big. What were you part. doing? What were you doing your second AB? Um, actually, as luck would have it, my second at bat was a walk off hit down the right field line to win the game. Boom! So there you go. Break. It, fun fact: Johnny Cueto was on second, pinch running, scored the winning run in that game. Hard to make that up. Oh, but that was yeah. first major league hit was a walk off for me, so that was kind of climaxed early. But going back to Casey Schmidt, pretty cool man. Like gets called up, runs one out of the yard. Obviously, a lot of emotion involved there. I, he ran another one out of the yard, I think, last night. I need to check. But um, yeah, very I, cool. I believe he did. He he did hit a second. But the nerves, your first AB, take me through your first AB. That was your Man, first. Honestly, your first AB was a walk-off? No, second AB. Second AB. So first at bat, we we're, were playing against say. Miami in Cincinnati. Louisville's an hour and 15 minutes south, right? Jeff Kepinger fouls a ball off his kneecap fracture. I get called up next night. Didn't start. Came in the game. Francisco Cordero blows the save. Doesn't ever happen. We go into extra innings. Anyway, my first at bat, dude, I remember this peace of mind because I had been playing pretty well in Louisville at the time. And I was just ready to play, I guess. I was locked in. So it was um, – I had this, like, culmination of, you know, we obviously it takes forever. You, you play baseball growing up, all the stuff, right? You play well in the minor leagues. The stars align. Somebody gets hurt. It's your position that you get called up. Um, I was in a pretty good headspace at the time, so I was uh, I was excited about the opportunity. How about you? Yeah, Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, same thing. I was I was in the midst of a of a tear. I think that's that's an interesting thing to look at when these guys get called up, and it's not so much that that you know these guys that call get called up. I mean, in Drew's case, it's you know some of these guys are like a band aid, or they're you know they they need to be there, they need a position player to come off the bench, and they may not be swinging the bat very well, which can be incredibly stressful going to the show knowing that you haven't been hitting well. But I was really fortunate. I was on a I was on a a mean August tear at the at the time, and. Um, but even with that, coming to the clubhouse, seeing that I was leading off playing left field, you know, my first game. Uh, and there's no there's no point. There's no going out on defense. We're going into Pittsburgh. We're on the road. We're hitting first. And so, you know, there's no way to get your feet wet, you know, before kind of get into the flow of the game like you are the flow of the game. And that that kind of I, I had some nerves, needless sure. to say, you know, new kid where this is that we're determining how this game is going to go based off this that bat 
not the pressure you want to put on yourself, but let's say I did have to step out. I had to, I had to tell Ryan Dumit to just give me a minute. I stepped in my back foot started shaking uncontrollably like this. And I'm like, you know, stepped in, stepped out and Ryan, you know, he kind of leans over. He's like, Hey, you good? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I ended up walking on four pitches and I'm like, I have to get this. I have to get this angst out some, somehow I have to feel like I have to get going and getting, getting in the middle of the game. So Brandon Phillips is up, <clears throat> boom, take off for second, overthrow, go to third, slide in, boom. And then right after I got up to from third, I felt like, okay, I'm here. Like, let's do this. And then Brandon hit a two run home around walk, walked home. But it's like one of those things it's, you don't get a whole lot of bats to get that out, but that, that definitely is a positive to where he can, he can build off of that. Now that he has that first hit, he's got that first homer. And like, that's a huge deal from the, the psyche of, of a guy getting called up is you got to get that first one out of the way. For sure. Yeah. No. And it, the funny thing is if you had done that, you know, in, in this current day and age, you'd have had strike one called on you for uh, trying to get your wits about you in the box there. Good thing you had Domit to, to help you out. But That's right. Yeah. Put, put um, down a hey, strike. Then. Hey, speaking of call-ups, dude, the, the, the kid, Yuri Perez, Miami, 20 years old. Okay. He's the youngest. He will be the youngest starting pitcher since Julio Rios um, a couple years ago, who's obviously had a good start to his career. Um, but let's, let's talk about this kid for a little bit. He's he's kind of potentially, if you combine him with Alcantara down there, you're talking about a one-two punch that you could rival anybody. And, and let's let's not get crazy. He hasn't done anything yet, but he is very well thought of. Obviously, getting called up at, at, at such a young age, the organization feels comfortable, you know, pushing him. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 6'8". He's like 220 pounds, goes up to 100 miles an hour. Apparently, it's a you know just a ridiculous changeup. Obviously, the slider is good too, but I think the changeup is the secondary pitch. But I'm excited for it. I think that um, it'll be fun to watch. I think he's only got like 177 minor league innings, man. So he's he's just getting going. But um, I know that they're excited about down excited about him in Miami. I think for the game, it'll be good as uh, for him to get going. And to your point, he hadn't done anything yet. I'm sure there's going to be some nerves involved, but it's it's a real arm that that could potentially turn into, you know, with him and Alcantara at the top of a rotation that that can that can change an organization. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, six eight, uh, incredible presence, and if you've looked at highlights, I mean, it barely looks like he's throwing the ball, uh, and you know, it's easy easy cheese. But he's got the full mix of pitches, um, and so. With him and with him and Sandy at the top, and Sandy's been struggling this year a little bit. Um, you know, reigning Cy Young Award winner um, is coming in today with a four with a four five three. He struggled a bit this year. Um, you know, to to kind of be the to be the catalyst for that for that for that club this year. Um, so bringing him bringing Yuri up is you know it's it's exciting, but also to give him his first taste. And the cool thing about this is how he was called up. Is Sandy making the announcement personally through a video, um, welcoming to the big leagues, telling him that he was going to get called up. And so to have a guy like that from your, you know, from your home country, the reigning Cy Young award winner is pretty cool. So I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. I thought that was a great gesture. Uh, and then they had the minor league, the minor league kids uh, send him a video today, basically wishing him well. So I think it's just, it's a really cool, really special time for, for these kids that, that do get called up that young man over there in Miami as, and I hope he has better luck than the guys down in the, in New York, you know, speaking of the same division, what's going on in New York, we got Sanga, 
who was a rookie of the year, I mean, potentially rookie of the year, the Japanese rookie of the year, that doesn't, we know how that goes. But giving up five the other day, we got Verlander struggling. And then Scherzer going on the IL now after following up the whole, you know, the whole, the whole uh, controversy. Yeah, the, the Mets are in a tough spot, man. They're they're not playing great again. They uh, they're gonna have to do the best they can to weather the storm. The, nobody in that division. I mean, the Braves are obviously rolling. They're having some starting pitch, pitching issues, which is a strong point for them. So if 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 anything's gonna be a chink in their armor, it's gonna be that. I don't I don't care who you are. If 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 your horse is on the bump, struggle. It, it's gonna be tough to bounce back. Um, it, it, that may be the, the 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 little bit that somebody else in that division needs to kind of. Kind of get back into it, but the Mets, the Mets have some issues, man. They're going to need to need to take care of their own uh, their their own stuff internally before they need to worry about chasing the Braves or in, in that division. But um, we'll see. I, you know, on the on the other side of the city, though, you got Tampa and, and the Yanks playing again. Some interesting stuff going on there, man. They, they this is the second series within a within a week, and they were down in Tampa. Tampa took two or three from them. You had this situation with the Rosarina where he hits the homer, comes around third base, and double double fist the Yankees dug out he gets hit twice um I, you know I'm not I personally not a big fan of that but the Yankees took care of it in, on the field no no ill will um but they're back in New York now you got Tampa won last night you got Garrett Cole on the mound tonight for the Yankees man that's I'm gonna go as far as to say this might be almost like a must win kind of situation they're uh in terms of you know the the division up to this point Tampa's been in the driver's seat I think the Yankees need to get back on on the horse with 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 Cole on the mound, who's obviously their guy. They they, they need to get a win at home tonight for me, bud. Yeah, I, I think this this stat might be a, a skew with the competitive nature of the AL East, but uh, I think they're only one of the sec the second team. Granted, the the first place team is at thirty and nine, so like I said, it may be a skew, but they're only the second team that's already ten games out of first place. Uh, the last place Yankees and this being this could be an early turn of the tide if they don't get if they don't recover from this this three if this three or four but also Garrett coming in and having to put down a, a performance after coming off these two you know two for forget very forgetful um, performances where he gave up six and seven so coming to that game I think that's going to be a statement if they if, if Tampa can kind of uh, if, if Tampa can take another one I think that's kind of, you know, that's a backbreaker, you know, honestly, I think, um, you know, where, where it's at, where they're at in the division, I think they can just basically just kind of flex their dominance once again. And, you know, I think they're getting a little frisky over there. I think that's a result. We got the ball flip last week with Franco. We had the double, mm -hmm. the double, the double stand up. I think, you know, as much as I want to root for him, I think we have to a little, you know, we're gonna have to play some humble ball a little bit, so I'm I'm not opposed to uh, I'm not opposed to a little chin music and getting back because I think it's either they're gonna have to come out and beat them, you know. Number one, that's how you do it. That's how you humble any team and any type of that behavior is just come out and and kick their ass. So I think that's that's a big thing if they can turn that into some motivation for for tonight or for for the series and and see what happens. Um, and then on the flip side. Uh, we got the Padres. We got the Padres and Dodgers, and that is going to continue to go back and forth. I think the Dodgers are peaking right now, but the Padres, I think, took two of three from them. I believe. Correct. Last time, they're opening up a series. The tonight. last time. Yep. And uh, they and got, that was a particular. Uh, 
I feel like that was a particular pivotal series because you know it had showed the the win the the probability of a, of a win, and I think LA was just trying starting to skyrocket to where they had a hundred percent probability of winning over the Padres, which which says something. Um, so they'll have their their second chance at that tonight. Um, what do you got going on in the West? Are they going to be are they going to be it or? So I mean, don't sleep on the Diamondbacks, man. They're still in the they're still in the mix. Um, I, I, for me, it's the Dodgers and Padres. Yeah, they're it, they're going to go down the stretch, and those teams are too ta- too talented for it to not be between the two of them, in my opinion. Um, the Giants have kind of fallen out. I, they I might go as far as to say that the Giants might end up being sellers at the trade deadline. But for me, the Dodgers and Padres are, are in the West. We'll see what the Diamondbacks can do, man. Because at the end of the at the end of the day, they haven't done it yet before. But man, they got some really good young players and. They're 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 good on the mound. So I, I looked to, to for them to to stick around for most of the uh, for most of the season and, and see what happens. But it'll uh, it, it, this weekend series between the Padres and Dodgers is big, man. All of the games between those two teams are big. But I think in particular, there's uh, there's 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 a little bit more emotion involved for it being you know relatively early in the season. Yeah, and both of those, historically speaking, you know, we're talking about the trade bet deadline being too early, but I think there's going to be some people that are going to start emerging that are likely going to have homes in LA or San Diego um, before yeah. the before it's all said and done. You know, Chapman, Geraldo Chapman, mean, tell, buddy, tell me he wouldn't be, uh, you know, some not left-handed, left-handed bullpen help coming out of there. Uh, I think I'm, you know, I'm going to make with a those call. guys in the I'm cellar. Gonna, I'm going to make a call, Dick. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's moved earlier in the season than, than is typical because he's fastballs averaging 99 miles an hour. Again, the, the sliders averaging 88 miles an hour. He's throwing the ball. Well, the metrics are good. The swing and miss is good. Um, I, I think somebody's going to try to sneak him out of Kansas city early um, before, but before too long and, and try to, you know, add him to add a piece to the pen that, um, that all of those teams need. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, that's a, that's a great call. And, you know, again, a guy who's been on the move, but he's, you know, the fact of the matter, his talent, his talent doesn't lie. And when he's right, he's, he's a piece for anybody. So we'll definitely keep yeah. a lookout for that. And, you know, let us know your crazy trade deadline conspiracies in the comments, if you choose to. Once again, this is Farm to the Show, Paul Yanish, Chris Dickerson. Hey, last thing, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Speaking of which, my yeah. mom did. My mom, who is in town, made sure to tell tell me to tell you hello. Uh, she uh, she particularly she back. particularly enjo- enjoys the idea of us being on a podcast together. So, uh, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to Maria. Um, yep. To find a way to center some Champions League stuff because I think we you know we <laughs> share the share the immense passion for international soccer. No doubt. No doubt. Hashtag Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.